Hello, welcome to Noisy Narratives. Um, today we have Shanda Hurt with us. She's our special guest and she's going to share her story. But first, we're going to introduce ourselves. This is Debbie. This is Christy. And I'm Shanda. Hi, Shanda. Hi. Thanks for we're, having me. You are very welcome. We are so glad you're here. So we're here to talk to Shanda today about her story, about how she learned that she had MS and walking through that, uh, the beginning of her journey, and just walking through that with her family and with the Lord and what that looks like for her. So with that, we're going to let Shanna take it away. And Shanna, just tell us a little bit about yourself first. Tell us like where you're from and how many kids you have and who you're married to. So I live in Frisco, Texas, and my husband is Chris Hurt, the student minister here at First Baptist Frisco. And we have been married 25 years this wow. December. Yes. Crazy. Yes. And we have two kids. Chandler is 17 and Brooklyn is 13. And I grew up in Amarillo and I'm the youngest of four kids and just had a great family growing up. Nothing to complain about from my childhood. So that's good. That is good. That's always nice when that happens. <laughs> So you tell us a little bit about your story. Um, how old were you when you first knew or noticed signs and symptoms? Kind of what was your family like at the time? What was going on in your life when you first started noticing symptoms that something was wrong? So Chris and I had only been married three years. Um, I was 25 and we actually had gone on vacation and I took a hot shower and as I was getting out of the shower, the left side of my head felt like it weighed 25 pounds. I could not hold my head up. So I came out of the bathroom kind of holding on to the wall, holding myself up. And Chris oh, wow. is looking at me like I'm crazy, like, what are you doing? And I said, I don't know. I'm, I'm really tired. And I sat down on the bed and just fell over. I could not hold my head up. And I was like really weird but I'm 25 so I'm not thinking too crazy but I'm so tired so I said I need to take a nap it was the middle of the day and I woke up from the nap and I was fine so mm -hmm. I was like well that was weird but we just continued with our vacation and oh this so, is on vacation when yes, this happened just the two oh. of us and then we got back from vacation and the same thing happened took a shower same side of my head, felt like that, um, took a nap, woke up fine. Although at that point I knew it wasn't fine that I yes. needed to get some At that some point you're starting help. to be a little scared yes. probably. Yeah. But 25 years old, you know, you just think diseases are a long way off. And is this, this is before the Google too. Oh yeah. <laughs> right. For sure. Before the this Google. This is before right. you sit That's down right. and you Google, Thank this goodness. half of my head yes. feels too heavy. That's right. Thank goodness so, it was before yes, Google. Yes, before. And so at that point then you're saying, okay, I need to go to the doctor. Yes. But is this the only symptom you had? That, that I knew of. Looking okay. back, I, I was a cheerleader. I tumbled a lot through high school and college, and there were times that I can remember my head feeling tingly or something like that, and I would go to my doctor, and he would give me an adjustment, pop my neck, and if it's not better in you know, a couple of days, then come back, and it always was better. And I still don't know necessarily if that was related to MS. It could have been kind of a precursor, or it could have 
really been a pinched nerve. I don't know for sure, but that was the first time I had had any significant symptom. And I think, I think the Lord knew that I needed something that severe to make me go to the doctor. Mm -hmm. Cause if it had been just little things, I would have just put it off sure. a long time. So, sure. and I never had that same symptom since then. Never. Wow. Oh, so I funny. just think it had to be that <laughs> to make me go. The trigger to get to the doctor. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So you go to the doctor, then you make an appointment, you go. Yes, and it was my family doctor that I'd known my whole life. And I can remember sitting in his office, and he's calling the hospital to schedule me to have an MRI. And I hear him say it's to rule out MS or a brain tumor. And I'm thinking, the only person I know with MS is Annette Finicello yes. from yes. Disney. Yes. And she was in a wheelchair, mm -hmm. and I had mm -hmm. seen her on interviews on TV, and she could barely speak. And that's what I thought of MS. And at the time, I'm thinking, maybe a brain tumor would be better. Maybe they could just mm -hmm. operate, and I'd be done with that. That's mm -hmm. all I knew at, mm -hmm. at that point. And from that point, he sent me to get an MRI. And at that point I had three lesions on my brain and he sent me to a neurologist. So did they see that day? So you do the MRI and they saw the lesions that day as you're getting the MRI done. Yes. And then he sends you straight to a neuro neurologist. Yes. I can't say that word, <laughs> a neurologist, like right then he's saying, yeah. we saw I this. I think that same ago. week wow. I saw a neurologist and she said, I'm 90% sure from, based on what you're telling me from your symptoms and from your MRI that it's multiple sclerosis, but we can't diagnose it just based off that. So I went through a series of tests for three months. I didn't know what to hope for, what to pray for, because she would say, if this test comes back abnormal, then I'll go ahead and diagnose you. If what kind not, of tests were they? So the first series of tests, they were called evoked potentials. They hooked electrodes up to my head, and I just watched this computer screen change from black to white, checkerboard, just these various computer screens, and it was monitoring my brain waves, I guess. Wow. And those came back normal. So uh -oh. then I'm like, hmm. So I, would Chris go with you to these appointments? He would for some of them. Some of them were like three hours, yeah. and I was just in a room that he couldn't be in. So he definitely went with me the first time I went to the neurologist, but it just depends. But he's having to like wait in a waiting room. He's not anywhere where he right. can be with you or anything. So right. you're having to sit in a room by yourself and yes. do all this testing. Wow. That and just hard. not know, like I didn't even know what to pray for. Sure. If I, because I wanted an answer, but I didn't really want it to be MS, mm -hmm. but I didn't yeah. know what the alternatives were either. And so this for three months, these different tests kept coming back normal. So then finally I had to have a spinal tap, which of wow. course I was dreading. And that is what confirmed that I had MS. Okay. So through all the testing and all, what is that like for you and Chris? Like, cause oh. you're saying months. You're saying that it went on, yeah, so kind of explain how you guys watched through that, like you individually and then just together. Yes, it was, I think for Chris especially, I can't imagine what it was like for him mm -hmm. wanting to be the fixer and wanting to have, you know, guys just want a clear cut, this is mm -hmm. what it is, and, and I wanted that too, but 
he couldn't understand the emotions I was having and I didn't understand the emotions I was having. And I, I felt like nobody else knew what I was going through because my symptoms weren't visible. There was nothing anyone could see. And it's not in your family. No. So there's no family history of it. I knew nobody, nobody personally that had so MS. So hard. And thankfully, we lived in the same town that my parents lived in. So it was great to have my parents there as a support nice. system as well. And I, man, just in talking to other people, you know, sharing my story and finding other people that are going through testing or waiting to be diagnosed with something, it's just something you can't really explain unless sure. you go through it. It's just, you don't know what, what to hope for, what to pray for, what the future is going to mm -hmm. look like. And so much of medical science is doing test after test to rule things out. Yes. So it's like you're going for one test thinking maybe this will tell you, but as you, like you were saying, it took so long because you're just ruling this out, ruling yes. it, going to this one, going to that one. So then that weight had to be just over and over hard, quite yes. the roller coaster. And it's so different. MS is so different for everyone. It's, um, everyone has different symptoms. Everyone has different experiences. Everyone has a different frequency with symptoms. the way, you know, the way their symptoms progress right. or don't progress. And so there's What are just, your symptoms though? Like what were they? I so guess more detail. The majority, so once I was diagnosed, at that time, there wasn't a push that you had to start medication right away. And at that time, there was only three medications. They were all injections. So I obviously was trying as hard as I could not to be on medication. <laughs> not to have to do Did not medicine. want to do that. Were they all like super expensive too? Oh, yes. Through the roof. Yes. Yes. So that, thankfully, initially, that wasn't the, the push. They just didn't have enough research that they were pushing medications. Now, if you're diagnosed, they want you to start a medication immediately. But I'll explain more about that later. There's so many more options now yeah. that are so much better. But I typically, my symptoms, I would have maybe my leg go numb. And it would be not completely numb, but like pins and needles if your foot falls asleep. Mm -hmm. And that pins and needles really uncomfortable feeling mm -hmm. would be how maybe my leg would do that and just constant it wouldn't go away for a solid month sometimes it would start in my foot and like for move a up. month so for yes. 30 days you have this pain in your yes <gasps> and it horrible. would be mine would be more sensitive to hot or cold wow and again it wasn't excruciating like horrible pain Just but annoying. it was so annoying yes. and something again no one else could see it right. no one else knew but it was just that horrible uncomfortable feeling sometimes it would be my head or i i've had an entire half of my body be that pins and needles inside my mouth numb where i can't really taste things or i've had Sometimes along with that, I would have muscle weakness. Like if it was happening to my left side, my I would still have use of my hand, but not feel like I had a good grip or like I might drop something or feel like my leg was going to buckle, just be unsure of walking. Just 
such a wide range of things. But mine would almost like clockwork would typically last a month and then I would have no symptoms for six months. So And this is before medication. Yes. Okay. And I would think, has God healed me? You know, you get excited and you've been praying for healing and I've had so many other people praying for me Mm -hmm. for healing. And so you kind of start thinking maybe and then they would hit again and I'd be devastated. It was just this roller coaster of, you know, why I, I never lost faith in, in God. And I knew that he could heal me, but I didn't know why he was choosing not to. And just it, but for the first time, I think this was the first time in my life that my faith had really been tested. I had a great childhood. I had, you know, just a strong foundation of my faith, but I had never really had to question God Mm -hmm. the way I was at that point. So in that aspect, it was really a growing time for my faith. Not something I enjoy, (laughs) obviously, but... I don't think sanctification is something all of us enjoy going through. No, definitely, definitely. So So it sounds like then, correct me if I'm wrong, so you have relapsed remitting yes. MS, which means the symptoms tend to ebb and flow. Yes. And so you end up with the diagnosis, and then you walk through the coming months with the relapsed remitting sim- symptoms. Yes. When do you decide to get on medication? Like explain that journey to So us. it wasn't necessarily my decision. It was more my neurologist forced oh. me to. So in that amount of time, a couple of years had passed and And you're still working. Yes. And you're working and I was working. And stress brings on symptoms for it MS can, patients, right? Definitely. And it your can. job could be stressful. Yes. I was working in foster care at the time and I loved it, but it was a very stressful lot of crisis management. Mm-hmm. Um, just a lot of intense situations. And I didn't realize it because I had that's what I had done the whole time. So I didn't realize until after I quit how much stress my body and my mind was under. But after I had Chandler, that that was my my selling point to my doctor for a long time to not start medication is that, oh, we're going to start a family. So even before I really was trying to get Mm -hmm. pregnant, I was telling him that we're going to try to have a baby because I knew I couldn't be on medication. That was my next question. So medication and being pregnant don't go together. Yes. Yes. They, they just didn't know a lot. Yes. And Strangely enough, pregnancy, most people, when they're pregnant, don't have symptoms. There's which so was much, true for me. There is so much that happens to our bodies. Yeah. It's pretty amazing it when is. we're pregnant. How many people say that about other yeah. health issues they have that are yeah. it's amazing. not an issue during pregnancy. Yes. Yeah. But the concern is after you deliver, your body's under a different amount of stress that sure. it could exacerbate your symptoms. Okay. And, of course, when you have a newborn, you don't yes. want extra things on top of that. So my doctor said, I'll allow you to to nurse for four months, and then you're going to have to stop and start medication. And I was like, oh, okay. But I didn't, at that point, they had done enough research that they were really pushing 
every person with MS to be on mm -hmm. medication. And still at that, I, I was praying that I could hold out long enough that there would be a pill that you could take Versus instead of injections. Injection. Yes. But that was not my case, unfortunately. So the first medication, he gave me a couple of choices. None of them were great because they were all injections, but the one I ended up choosing initially was called Avinex. And it was a once a week injection but it was into the muscle. So the needle was oh, long and you just had to jab it into your thigh. Oh, oh gosh. <laughs> so you yeah. had this at home and you gave it to yourself. Yes, because mm. some people had spouses that would do that. <laughs> My spouse was not willing to do that. And so I had to just learn to do it myself. The other downside of that medication is it would make you feel like you had the flu for 24 hours. And you have a newborn and you're taking this. Yes. So I would have to do it, and I was working initially, I'd have to do it on a Friday and then feel like I had the flu all day Saturday. Like but Chris eggs. would be home to help. Yes. Hopefully with, even though when you're in student ministry, you have stuff that happens sometimes on right. the weekend. So I'm sure that was even hard with your yes. schedules and trying to figure that out. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And the fact that, again, my parents were in the same town was a lifesaver sure. yeah. for childcare, for mm -hmm. my emotional support, for everything. So that was definitely a, a huge blessing mm -hmm. to have them there. So you start on medication, Chandler then, your oldest, yes. who now is a junior in high school. Crazy. Yes. So he's a um, so he's about four months old when you start medication. And my understanding of MS medication again is it may work and then all of a sudden stop working. So how did that work for you? Like how did And that was also there's so many mind games, I feel like that go into a diagnosis and medication and because your mind is just constantly thinking maybe this medication is the answer maybe i'm not going to have any more symptoms and then i did have symptoms so the really the medication did not have much of an effect for me so after about a year they would monitor my blood work and after a year, I had to stop that medication because my liver enzymes were through the roof to the point that I almost had to get a liver biopsy because they just, even after I stopped the medication, they would not come back down. Hmm. So, so are you getting blood tests a lot to check for those kind of markers when you're on this medication? Yes. You're also, so you're giving, you're jabbing yourself with this needle, taking this medicine, yes. and then you're going in for blood draws every, what, six yes. weeks or so? Yeah. Wow. And it varies, I'm sure, depending on. Now I just go about every six months, usually, to get blood drawn. So okay. now it's no big deal for me. And I don't have to do it myself. I don't mind other people poking me with a needle, but just it's it just yourself. the mental aspect of doing it yourself. Sure. That has, so. so then this medication works for you for only so long, and then the, it was impacting your liver. Yes. So then what happened then? So they started me on a different medication, pretty much maybe a couple of weeks. They wanted to give that medication long enough to get out of my system and then started. The second medication was called Copaxone and it was a much shorter needle, but it was every day. And so you'd have to, I had to get trained on the injection sites. You'd have to rotate. There were seven different injection sites. The nice thing about 
that one, it came in a little plastic casing, so I didn't actually have to see the needle. I could just hold the casing up to my arm or my stomach or wherever and just push the button and it did it for me. So it was a little bit easier as far as the actual injection, but the, the side effect for me with that medication is I could feel it spreading into my system. I, it just burned. You could just feel it spreading throughout your body. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it would last maybe 20 or 30 minutes. So not again, in the big scheme of things, not a huge deal, but when you're doing it every day, it kind of takes it's tall. a chunk out of your, mm -hmm. <laughs> out of your day. So, and I was only on that maybe a month because my liver enzymes were still too high and they thought maybe that's affecting that as well. So then I just stopped completely. And then after that, we really were ready to start trying to have another baby. Mm -hmm. So I had a really good excuse to not yes. be on any medication yes. for a while. Yes. So. so then you had Brooklyn, your yes. second one, yes. who is now in seventh grade. Yes. Wow. Um, so then after you have Brooklyn, you have to get back on medication again. Yes. And by that point, well, and let me tell this too. I'm, I'm not sure how many people know this, but I actually had a miscarriage before Brooklyn. And that was, it. with Chandler, when I got pregnant with him, I got pregnant really soon after we started trying. And then when I was ready to start trying for Brooklyn, I just assumed it would be the same. easy. easy. Yeah. And it took a, about a solid year before I got pregnant with Brooklyn. So there was a lot of questioning going on, like, is there something wrong? Is the MS playing into that? Is the medication I've been on playing into that? Why is this taking so long? And of course, you're, yeah, I'm still trusting God, but I still am having these questions. And why, why isn't this happening when I want it to happen? Right. But so... When I had the miscarriage, I wasn't very far along. I was about seven weeks along. But the fact that I finally got pregnant, it gave me hope yes. that I could get pregnant. So as hard as it was to miscarry, I at least had hope. Yes. And it, I can't remember now how long they tell you to wait to start trying, maybe a month. And pretty much as soon as I could start trying to get pregnant again, I got pregnant. And so it was just like this reassurance from the Lord of, I've got this, it's my timing. And so we had Brooklyn and we were living in Amarillo and Chris was interviewing here in Frisco and we got the job offer and we moved when Brooklyn was four months old, right. which is insane. Yep. And then I had to start medication after we moved here and started back on Copaxone and was only on it maybe a year, I think. And then I, st and when we moved to Frisco, let me preface by saying when we lived in Amarillo, I loved my neurologist. He was so knowledgeable. He had studied at UT Southwestern. So anything that he had a question about, he would contact his mentor, here in, in UT Southwestern and just was very knowledgeable. When I moved to Frisco, I thought, oh, you know, I'm going to have the world at my fingertips for medical, you know, all kinds of medical facilities. And 
it was such a challenge to find a neurologist that really knew about they MS. They were closer to Dallas at the time. There yes. weren't many here. And I was terrified were. to drive to Dallas. Right. I'm from Amarillo. Right. So <laughs> I was not driving yes. to Dallas was not on my radar. Mm -hmm. And I thought I could find a neurologist much closer. And I went through two different neurologists over the first couple of years of being here. That real, they may have been great neurologists, but they were not equipped. Not equipped for MS. And several of the things I had tried with my neurologist in Amarillo, they had never heard of, and it was just very eye-opening and unsettling yes. <laughs> to not have a doctor that knew and stressful what I needed. Yes. So I eventually went to UT Southwestern after I got my bearings and after I had flopped out on two other neurologists. You're like, I'm going to have to drive to Dallas. Take the plunge because they have a specific MS clinic at UT Southwestern. And I can say if anyone is listening to this and struggling with MS, go there because it it's phenomenal. They know all of the research. They know everything up to date. So my first appointment at UT Southwestern the neurologist spent an hour and a half with me, what? went over all of my history, wow. and recommended that I stop Copaxone because she said it's not working for you. And she recommended I try Tysabri, which was a once a month infusion, IV, that I would go to a facility, sit there for two hours as mm. this IV is going in, and a huge chunk of time mm -hmm. but the the risk associated with that medication was this disease called or it's an infection called PML I don't know what the PML stands for it's too long for me to pronounce but basically <laughs> it's a brain infection that most of the time was lethal oh goodness so the thought of starting that was terrifying was terrifying I had two small kids and, and if I, okay, correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought I remember you ended, you had to start on that because you had a reaction because of going to the dentist. That's it. Yes. That's a different. Oh, so that, that wasn't was before this, that. Yeah, that was yes. before because you had a reaction from going to the dentist and the dentist inadvertently gave you a topical medication. It was actually the dermatologist. Oh, it was the dermatologist. Yes. Okay. That's correct. Yes. So this is I'm also... I'm just saying this is just another part of having something that, that is have. so difficult with all these back and forth of different, like you have to talk to dentists, dermatologists, everything yes. that goes on your body, every lotion, every cream, all that kind of stuff. Because things that you would things. never think affect have an effect. I, yeah. I would have never thought, yes, I had gone to a dermatologist and was prescribed this cream called Aldara that um, is supposed to, if you have any skin cancer cells, it's supposed to bring those to the surface and prevent skin cancer, if I'm explaining that correctly. Well, I had no idea um, after I had used that for a while, I had an exacerbation with my MS symptoms. And it was strange because it wasn't in my normal routine. You know, I would have symptoms for a month and then go for about six months with no symptoms. Mm -hmm. And this this came on at a different time. Because at this point, I had known you, I think, for two or three years. 
And anytime through that time I had known you, the symptoms you had 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 been very mild. Yes. Like you had been very fortunate. I remember us talking yes. about that for a while. And then this was a very hard, like you lost some feeling and part of your body, yes. right? And you, one half of your body, yeah. you were having to talk. Because I think you were working with babies at the time here and you and couldn't come to work. Because I was afraid yes. I would drop a baby. Exactly. Yes. I mean, it was not I was a having small... trouble walking. Mm-hmm. I was afraid my leg was going to give out. Mm-hmm. It was terrifying. Yeah. And... A friend of mine, actually, I don't know how she ran across it, but somehow she was researching that cream and found, you know, in the long list of 200 possible interactions that it could cause a flare-up with MS. And it, it just made sense. I had had an MRI. My MRI didn't show any, any issues, active lesions. And here I was having these symptoms that just didn't match up with my course. And you had put, when you went to the dermatologist, you had put, you had MS on Absolutely. those parts, right? Yes. So part, explain that, like, so part of the kind of terrifying part is the fact that you can go to a doctor and trust a doctor, but then sure. they may not know. Yeah. And who, I would have never in a million years thought mm-hmm. a cream I'm putting on my face is going to affect my MS. Like, there's just so many things to this disease that they still don't know. And in fact, I keep it MS journal. I brought these with me that from the beginning, which I'm so thankful I did. I've, I've logged every symptom. I've logged how long it lasts. I've logged different treatments I've tried. And another thing that I didn't remember until last night as I was, preparing, I was yes. preparing for this podcast, that when Chandler was two years old, I had a car accident. And I wasn't hurt at all. Didn't have whiplash. Chandler wasn't hurt. My car was totaled, but I wasn't hurt at all. And later that day, hours and hours after the accident, my speech was slurred. I was having trouble with my handwriting, like all of these Mm -hmm. weird things that I'd never had with MS were just happening. And I ended up going to the ER and they didn't know what was wrong with me, and I didn't know what was wrong with me. And eventually, I got to my neurologist, and he said that I was having a flare-up based on trauma, yeah. which stress. I That's also didn't know yeah. could happen. And it was weird because those were symptoms I hadn't had before. And eventually, after I believe I did a steroid treatment after that, which I didn't go, I haven't gone into that, but back then, I don't know if they still use steroid treatments, but that was a common thing to use in addition to or in place of medication sometimes are these really high doses of steroids. And I did that multiple times when I would have a flare-up, and it was horrible. The side mm. effects from the steroids were so horrible. <laughs> like, oh, no. I remember the first time I did it, it was an IV and a nurse would come to my house and give me this IV and I'd had to do it for five days in a row. And I turned into a complete basket case. I was crying constantly. I had no energy. Were the side effects more just fatigue, mental, emotional? So not necessarily the physical, like you could feel it going through your body and stuff like before, but more the mental, emotional fatigue toll. You would have, I don't know if either of you have had to take any steroids. You have kind of a metallic taste in your mouth. But the worst of it was just the emotional. I was a 
basket case for that, definitely that week while I was on it, but even probably another several days to a week after. And in learning that, then the next time I had to do steroids, my neurologist actually prescribed Zyprexa, which is an antipsychotic medication. And I had worked in mental health and I had children that were diagnosed with schizophrenia that yes. were taking that yes. medication. So it was mm -hmm. kind of scary yeah. to think I needed that, but it, it's, it's amazing with any disease, the medications that you have to try and the, then the medications you have to try to help with the side effects right. from the medications yeah. right. from the first time. It can time. snowball really yeah. quickly. You have to be kind of careful yeah. actually and knowledgeable. So if, um, so going back after you take, you start the infusions. Yes. So once I started the infusions, and it here's what prompted me to do that. With the risk of this PML brain infection that was terrifying, I 100% trusted my neurologist at UT Southwestern. And she was concerned because as, as the years had gone on, I would get an MRI every year to monitor the progression of my MS. And remember, when I was first diagnosed, I had three lesions. Mm -hmm. By this point, I had about 45 lesions on my brain. Whoa. And she was concerned that I had a cluster of lesions in the part of the brain that control cognitive functioning, memory, that type of thing. And she was really surprised that I wasn't having issues in that area. And so that's really what helped me make that decision because I you were seeing the progression. I didn't want to have memory issues right. and not know who my kids were and all mm -hmm. of those things. So that's what prompted me to start, to agree to start that. And so that, even with the risk, the potential side effect, side effect risk, yes. you're sitting down in a chair, you're getting an infusion, knowing there's this possible brain infection yes. side effect. How did you pray through that each time? Oh. So the first time I know, because I remember talking to you right before you were about to go, mm -hmm. I remember praying with you, and I remember even you just having to go through that each time. Yes. So kind of how, explain that trajectory for you. Did that ever get easier? Yes. As you went? Yes, it definitely got easier. And especially after I had been, you know, I was... My typical routine was I'd go six months with no symptoms, and then I would have a flare-up, and then six months. So what really helped is that I had no more symptoms after I started this medication. So it was really working. Amazing. It was like a miracle drug for me. And definitely after the success of that, it made it easier to say, okay, the risk is worth it. Mm -hmm. And the whole time they're doing more research about PML, Initially, they didn't know why some people would get PML and other people wouldn't. They didn't know mm -hmm. the connection. And over the course of the years that I was taking Tysabri, more research had been done, and they discovered if you have a certain virus present in your system, then you were more likely to develop PML. Mm -hmm. So then they started testing me for that virus. In the first two years, I tested ne negative for that virus. Well, then... The third year I tested positive for that virus. So I had to stop taking that medication, mm -hmm. which was also terrifying because yes. then I thought, am I going to be back to square one right. where I was 10 years ago and, you know, uncertain of my future. And that, 
the one of the scary things about MS is that even with relaxing remitting MS, you have symptoms that come and go, but there's no guarantee that your symptoms are ever going to completely go. Right. Like they get better and worse, but some people have symptoms that they never completely regain again. Mm-hmm. And so you, you just you don't can ever start know. being symptomatic in some way. And then they just don't go away, Correct. is what you're saying. So then that heavy feeling or that tingly feeling may be something you may have to last. deal with the next time it comes. And those were just my symptoms. Other people with MS have vision issues. I've known people that just wake up blind oh my one day. And maybe it comes back and maybe it doesn't. Like it's, oh. there's anything that your nerves affect are impacted, which yeah. is everything, yeah, essentially. So you end up having to change medications again, but at this point, yes. they've made some more. They've created How more, right? Because yes. I remember this was like the last option you had, that infusion. Yes. And then that disappeared, but in those couple of years, they had a discovered, pill. yes. <laughs> oh. So tell us about Yay. that. Yes. Oh, I was so happy, although I was terrified to stop the infusions mm-hmm. because they had been so successful for me i was still very excited that yes. this pill had come along yeah. so the first pill this was in 2013 um i took tecfidera and it was it was great it still worked for me thank the lord but it did have some side effects with that i would feel flushing like i would take it and for probably 30, 45 minutes, I would just be bright red and just burning. (laughs) Like Mm. if I went somewhere, people thought I was sunburned. It was just, you know. You're working out really hard. Yeah. I just had a great workout. (laughs) But it was a pill. So that was a plus. I could do it at home. That was a plus. And, And it worked. So, and eventually the side effects got better. They were much worse in the beginning. They got better. And then after I had been on that for three years, they came out and said, there's a risk of PML with, with this, this, that this medication. Yeah. So there I was again, back to square one, terrified. Mm-hmm. What's next? Do I have many options left? Because the first class of medication that I took, the Avonex, because of what it had done to my liver, they said I can never take another In that of class. that class. Mm-hmm. So it didn't leave me with a lot of options at that point. But I'm currently on a pill called Jelenia, and it has been amazing. No side effects, no symptoms, and and along with MS. So I still get MRIs once a year because even if you don't have symptoms, the disease could still be progressing. So that's why it's mandatory to do MRIs to follow up with that. But thank the Lord, I have had no progression. Everything has been stable all the way back since 10 years ago when I started wow. Tysabri. So it's it's really amazing that, not that I ever forget that I have MS, but as I read back through these journals last night, I was just, things you never think you'll forget, I was like, oh, I forgot how horrible that was. I Time forgot. can be a healer, yes. you know, and emotionally, I think, sometimes. Yeah. So... At this point, things are pretty stable for you. Absolutely. 
So tell us how, um, just kind of now as we're kind of entering towards the end um, of the podcast, we want to just make sure we touch on, um, because you talk about this a lot, just how your walk with the Lord changed through this, because you said it was the first test in your faith. And through there, you've had a lot of different things in your family. Your family has gone through some ups and downs um, with your, you know, um, with some loss in your family. Um, But how has... Um, your relationship with the Lord strengthened? How has this impacted your family, your kids? Just kind of touch on some of that. Yeah. Well, I think the most important lesson I learned through all of this and what I always share if I share my testimony with people is that my circumstances do not change who God is. Amen. And the same God that allowed me a wonderful family and a wonderful childhood And all of these blessings is the same God that allowed me to have MS. And while I wouldn't choose that necessarily, my, I feel like my job in that or my role in that is to try to use it for his glory. And I feel like if I can help somebody else that's going through that or whether it's MS or something else, maybe something else they're dealing with health issues or going through testing, if I can help in any way, then I feel like that's how God can use this to help somebody else. So how, what would you recommend to someone then to focus on? Where do you put your focus in order for you to be able to make that journey like that, to come out with your kind of outlook? Definitely, obviously prayer and, and reading scripture. I've, through that whole time, the verses I really clung to were in 2 Corinthians where Paul is talking about the thorn in his flesh mm-hmm. and how he pleaded with God to take that away. And I pleaded with God <laughs> to take away the MS many, many times. But eventually, God says, my grace is sufficient for you. Mm-hmm. And to, to really cling to that. And it's hard. When you're in the middle of it, it's hard to recognize God's grace being sufficient. But if I didn't have that, I can't imagine going through what I've been through or what other people have gone through without having that foundation of just knowing God has got you. Whatever the circumstances, no matter how horrible it is, God is in control of that and he sees beyond what you're living in in the moment. Mm -hmm. And I think that in any way you can look at that to know that he's in control is take some pressure off of us trying to control everything. Right, of trying to control the outcome. So what about for your kids? Like how do you talk to your kids about that? About it's I really, have MS and God is in control and yes. no, I'm not healed. But what does that look like? What does that mean? It's crazy because I don't think my kids, they know that I have MS and they know I take medicine, but they've never really seen me Chandler might remember me having because they were little the last time you really had a yeah ten years ago. So Chandler was seven, and Brooklyn was only three. She has no, definitely no memory of seeing me struggling, and I really don't think Chandler does either. And so it's hard. I think for them, if they found out someone else had MS, they'd be like, "Oh, that's no big deal," Mm -hmm. because they've seen me not through it. Yeah. Mm But I think for Chris, it's been definitely a journey. I would love to hear him share his side of this. But I know there's 
plenty of times where he had no idea what to do with me, <laughs> you know, when I'm a basket case or when, when I could be a mess. Cause I, I'm the type of person that when I'm in front of people, I want to, you know, look like I have it together and be happy and be joyful. And, and you are but, a very joyful person, but he saw yes. plenty of times yes. where I was not joyful at all and just kind of discouraged and not completely hopeless, but just, so uncertain of what the future would be and so to see his journey and how he's by nature he's not a caregiver nurturer type mm -hmm. and to see him at times have to kind of take that role with me and just to see how how God's kind of molded him and shaped him through the process too pretty amazing. Oh that's awesome. I love that. <laughs> so if someone's listening right now they're going through it they're going through a health struggle, something yes. that's scary, hard, difficult. Uh, what would you, what would your encouragement be to them? Several right things. I would say prayer, obviously, and reach out to people. It's so easy to feel alone and isolated. And like when I was going through this, I, I didn't know a single soul that had MS or that was struggling with anything similar to what I was going through. At 25 years old, all of my friends were getting married or having babies or just, you know, living their sure. best life. Sure. And so I would definitely say reach out. And especially now with social media and so many avenues. And there is have. the Google now. Yes, you can Google. Don't Google. <laughs> Don't Do not Google, Google symptoms. your symptoms. But definitely reach out because there's so many resources and so many people that are willing to help be a sounding board, be uh, a level of sanity where you might mm -hmm. feel a little bit insane and and to not be ashamed. I think sometimes it's kind of embarrassing when you're struggling and especially in Christian circles, mm -hmm. you feel like, well, I can't share that I'm struggling with this because it looks like I don't have faith or I even had a person tell me that this was way back when I was first diagnosed that it was because of my sin oh. that mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't have this disease if I mm -hmm. was right with the Lord. Mm -hmm. And and when you're young, ooh. you don't understand just the horrible, horrible theology of that. Yes. As you're older now, you look at that and we would know how to. So if anybody out there is listening believes that, please. Yes. <laughs> do not is. take that theology on. That because is absolutely Paul, not true. Because Paul, right here That's in Scripture, correct. Paul had exactly. a thorn too. And I, I like to joke that maybe he had MS. We don't know yeah, what Paul had. We don't know. It could be any number of things um, that he had that was... We all we do know, though, that he was hurting. Yeah. We do know that it was something he didn't want anymore. We know it was a burden, and we know it was hard. Yeah. Um, and if he had not shared that, we would not have that piece of scripture to be able yeah. to cling to. So again, someone shared their story. And you said two things. You said community and prayer. Yes. But the beginning of this, you talked about praying, God, why are you choosing not to heal me? Yes. So I'm sure your prayer life has evolved and changed. What do your prayers look like now to God? I think now it's more how can you use this mm. and if you like when Debbie asked me to do this I was a little nervous of course but I w I'm also always excited to be able to share my story if it can help somebody else mm -hmm. and I love it when I have friends that say hey I have a friend that was just diagnosed can I give them your number absolutely yeah. if 
if that that's the the good that can come from this mm -hmm. is sharing it and helping somebody else. Mm -hmm. And I would say also you were asking what advice would I give to someone? Mm -hmm. Find a doctor that you really, really trust because there's so I I kind of grew up my mom's mentality where if they were a doctor, they knew what they were talking about right. and just so much trust in in that specific doctor and she would do anything that they suggested that she do and there's just you Not just have to be cautious to yeah there's so many different thoughts and I think it's so important to find a doctor that you trust and that listens to you mm -hmm. when you're describing what's happening with your body and and I I also have a lot of trust in doctors but I know now to find a really good doctor that, that mm -hmm. I feel is very knowledgeable. Sounds good. Okay, well, good. thank you so much, yes, um, Shanda, you. for sharing your story. That was amazing. We um, didn't cry. We made it. We did it. We almost got me at one point. Point. Yeah, and I was like, I'm a little teary. Uh -huh. A little teary. I will say what um, I think one thing that stands out just as we close is that you're still living with MS. Yeah. You're symptom free right now, but every day, um, you don't know what every day looks like. True. And that's a whole different level of faith. I think sometimes we forget none of us know what tomorrow looks like. Right. And, um, you know, God told us, don't worry about tomorrow. You know, it's got enough worries of its own. I think in your situation and in people's situation where we have to deal with that with some especially hard um, ailments um, and health concerns, I think it takes it to a whole new level. But there's a lot that... Um, someone in your situation can teach us that we can learn from. So thank you so much. So glad thank to be here. Thank you for sharing that with us today. Well, that's it um, from us, Noisy Narratives. We will talk to you next time on our Noisy Narrative podcast. Um, so bye from us and hope you have a wonderful week. Mm -hmm.